Wow, baby. Where are you going? I just turned on the... Oh, now you hear it, huh? I do. I was up there. I was over there for five minutes. I couldn't get the thing to stop. And you went one move and it's... I don't know whether it'll stay. Well, still. Yeah, yeah see, it's back. Oh, yeah. Well, it'll just sound like interference. Nobody will notice, Diane. It's not like people are actually listening to the show. It's like they, they drop by, they play it because they want us to get the play credit, you know, because they can say... So, that, you know, <laughs> so that we, we had can... four plays <laughs> yeah. in the last week or six plays or seven plays, you know. Over the last week, and it always makes me gives my gives me a little, uh, you know, adrenaline rush or pheromone or whatever. It, what's the thing, the kind of the pleasure? Um, what is that chemical in the brain? Dopamine. Dopamine. Thank you. I knew that. Gives me an archetypal rush in the brain. Right. I don't now. really care. I just like to talk to you on a Saturday morning. Oh, right. <laughs> I know you just. You just love the little jump it gives you when I say, It's 9.21 a.m. Saturday, February the 25th, 2023. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane Show. A little weak there at the end, Diane. Had a hiccup. Oh, you had a hiccup? Yeah, oh. right in the middle. Right in the middle of the... Yeah. Oh, that had to be horrible. I'm surprised you survived. This thing keeps seeming to get farther and farther away from me. I'm still in my my bathrobe. She's in her teddy bear costume. Because <laughs> she's wearing I, a teddy. I just got this new bathrobe like <laughs> I don't know two weeks ago, yeah. and it's one of those plush, um, really thick. <laughs> Cozy. It really does make you feel like a teddy bear. Yeah, yeah. And it's makes, ultra soft. Makes you feel like a teddy bear on the outside. But it's really warm, and that's why I'm still wearing well, it. Well, because, you should just wear it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it makes me. After a while, it makes me feel like, you know, slovenly. Slovenly. But I am wearing leggings and and leg warmers and socks with it. So <laughs> leggings, it's, leg warmers, it's really socks. a fashionable outfit oh, yeah. right now. Let's. We should. Why don't we post a picture of you in the teddy bear costume? For the show pick today, what do you say? But it is so soft and so, I mean, it's just like the sensual. You see how she just diverted this subject matter to the... even feel it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's okay from my side too. So here we sit in a, a our the like house birds is, in the wilderness, like birds in the wilderness. <laughs> uh, you know, like cooped up in the nail. Somebody nailed the door shut on our birdhouse because it's cold out there. It's, uh, let's see, what's our current temperature, Dan? Let me just, uh, time and temperature check. One of those features here in the... Uh, I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. Well, that's, that's got to be warm, colder than that. It says it's 30 degrees out there. Yeah, ham and eggs. I guess 30 is kind of cold. But it seems like the cold is going to thwart our plans. Oh, we had plans. That's right. We, uh, we worry because they're forecasting snow to move in or the possibility of snow. A stronger possibility of more accumulation than earlier in the week when we had that kind of dusty snow, that kind of eastern Washington dusty snow that was just kind of like ash falling from the sky or something. I think what we have to do, though, is just have a contingency plan. Oh, okay. 
because you never know with the weather, you know? They might say it's going to move in, and then it doesn't move in. Yeah, it's true. Especially about snow. Yeah, that's true. But snow is becoming more and more common on this side of the mountains. Have you noticed that, Diane? I have noticed The winters that. are getting colder. The summers are getting hotter. And uh, Soon yeah. we'll be like the meadow? Soon we will be like eastern Washington. A dry, arid wasteland of miles of sagebrush. All is the hills. Will, the meadow is? All the hills and mountains will get flattened out. No, the meadow is not like that. The meadow is on the eastern slopes of the Castacades. That's why, that's why the meadow is different. Do you get me? Yes, yeah, I guess. You get me? So it's been a, it's been a chilly week here in Lake Abundance. It's been a chilly week. It's been chilly, chilly cocoa pop, and uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm just fine with that. Went out for a walk yesterday. It was, you know, I was out walking yesterday. Let me tell this story. And I got a text from my friend Cindy Snyder, one of my uh, friends I made down at the bus yard some years ago. And she said, where are you? And I said, well, I just left the house on a walk. I said, where are you? And she said, I'm in Crown Hill. And she said, I got something for you. And I said, well, uh, tell you what, I'll meet you over by the Shoreline Center by the tennis courts in about a half an hour. And she said, make it 40 minutes. And I said, okay. So we did that. So I, you know, I just did my walk. I go over, because there's a way that you can go. You can cut across and get to the Shoreline Center pretty directly if you know the neighborhood as well as someone like me. And so I went over there, and I was walking around. There's a nice wooded area parked there. You can walk, you know, and uh, walked behind the thing, went and came back around. There was Cindy. And uh, she gave me a bunch of cool photos that she's taken along the Oregon coast. When she's down there, uh, she was down there driving some school buses for that district, and uh, at the, I think at the beginning of the last school year. And uh, so she gave me all these pictures. We sat, and we went over to a bench that was in the sun because it was cold, and the wind was blowing yesterday. That was the other thing. We had the wind chill factor yesterday, but we just sat there. And we were comfy and talking. She gave me the updates on the peeps that we know and stuff like that. It was great. It was a great surprise to just kind of, you know, have somebody. And Cindy's done that before. She's done that before. Cindy's a, she's a special person. I like her. Anyway, it was great to see her. So that happened just well, yesterday. I would say my week was a practical and imaginative week. Really? Yes. Please elaborate. Well, the practical stuff was we had a bunch of homeowner... Uh, Items to do on a checklist. One of them being attending to our garage door opener. Oh, and yes. another that we've got a leak in our bathroom. Right. So I attended those and that made me feel very powerful and, and good, you know. Um, these sorts of things I used to spend a lot of time avoiding. So, right, because you know, they're costly. They can be costly. Well, they're costly and they're, you know, yeah. a drag. Yeah. But um, that the thing that I have found about my retirement is that it's got these practical elements like this. Yeah. And then I have these flights of imagination mm. that are uh, from just coming across things that are totally unexpected and fun. And um, 
Bill's scratching his back with his back. With the chair. He's yeah. Gonna, you know, yeah, you do. He's squirming. 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 But I just had, it was just so enjoyable to come across, I mean, it, we've talked about this before, the ability to just go wherever you want to go in yeah. your head. Yeah. And my head has taken me into some interesting places this week. I watched a documentary about the Silk Road, which oh, really yeah. fascinated me. Yeah, it is. And the... then, right after that came up, they, there was this Lost Treasures of the Silk Ro Road that I watched. And it was like a Indiana Jones adventure, uh, finding mummies in the middle of a oh, desert yeah. in China. And, and there were how many mummies? Lots. I don't know whether they ever gave the numbers. Well, but they found like 200, right? It seemed like there was some kind of an extraordinary number. It was an extraordinary number, yeah. and it was in a desert in the outer bounds of China. Right. And... They dated them at like 4,000 years old? Yeah. yeah. And it turned out that these mummies were uh, European, so they were saying, this is overturning all of our thoughts about... When about how China was kind of isolated and off yeah. by itself for for all these time this time, but there was trade going on between the Europeans and the between the the Western Europe and Far Eastern Europe. Uh, yeah. Before the Silk Road was even an established yeah. uh, entity. What a trip! So. I guess they and they found out because they took a piece of fabric, right? One that of the, was the one first. Of the, one of the Chinese researchers. Uh, was there with a with a European researcher with an American actually. oh American guy and he he took a piece of fabric off one of the mummies and stuffed it in the guy's pocket and said here take this back to America and, and do all the testing do all the you testing can. you can and they found out that it was like a tartan it was like a kilt what a trip yeah anyway yeah. I mean it's just amazing the things you can learn it's and, true um, for a person like me who is always as you might know. A crack researcher. You are a crack researcher. Um, the internet has been like the biggest library boon of all, you know, that you can just go off into all these random rabbit holes of adventure in your head <laughs> and, and learn something. Yeah. But the interesting thing about learning is, for me, I always love to learn. I always love to be in college but I was just doing it for myself. I was not doing it for any real purpose. And I think that Other when than you're... Other to self-enrichment. So, that's yeah, a real exactly. purpose. See, that's what you have to learn in, in retirement is that self-enrichment is a real purpose. You're actually doing something productive because you're enhancing your own knowledge. Well, my, my point being that when I was in school and just really enjoying school, right. and I'm mainly enjoyed school in college right. because in high school you know the poor teachers were just trying to wrangle all the yeah. the, the people to just do assignments right. and i did have a, a few um, advanced placement because i uh, tested out of out of the highest english courses and um even though i was in almost like remedial math i mean yeah. i was just such a, yeah. a I was you know. in remedial science and AP English. I don't know. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, it's so weird. Mm -hmm. um, but 
I took these marvelous courses during that period of time that I truly enjoyed and still re remember from high school. But for the most part, high school was, uh, I think, a little, uh, other than math, <laughs> a little too easy. Uh, you know, it wasn't challenging enough. And when I got into college, you had this whole challenging um, intellectual time. And the reason I loved college so much was for that scholastic enrichment but when you're younger everybody's always trying to tell you that you're doing it for a purpose and right. the purpose being that you're going to get a job but none of the things that I learned in college that I wanted to learn about had anything to do with uh, pursuing a job now if you could have gotten a job reading great books uh, I think that would have been a good career for me just reading good books yeah but the the only jobs that are really available in those sorts of things are being an editor would be one but that doesn't or, mean you're going to be reading good books yeah exactly yeah. or being um a professor, professor. Yeah. and then you've got the whole perish or die publisher perish publisher perish <laughs> perish or die, die. <laughs> i think that really is more what it is well, maybe not initially but you know <laughs> Would you like to be par would you like to perish or die? Yes. Hmm. Well, perish sounds a little more nuanced, at least. Oh, that was an interesting slip of the mind there. Anyway. But I, I just couldn't and I'm sure there are other jobs out there that you don't even can't even imagine. Right. That you could do something with that. But um you'd have to stumble into those jobs, man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I remember that when I was, uh, I really loved a lot of my professors uh, in English literature. I majored in psychology and uh, double majored in psychology and English literature. And uh, there were two of them that I just truly loved. And one of them had been my advisor since I started, which was uh, kind of an amazing thing because he was the advisor that they assigned to me before uh, before you even know what yeah. your major is. And he was the one who encouraged me to double major because he said, you're taking all these, you're taking all the requirements just in your electives. I mean, you're, you're seeing them as electives, but they're English literature requirements, so why don't you double major? Yeah. But I loved him, and I loved this other professor that I had, Dr. Seal, and I visited both of them um, after I graduated from college. And uh, somehow, one of them, I don't know which one, told the, the English department that I would be a really good representative for uh, telling the young people who were undecided whether they wanted to take English literature as their major that I you know the it's possible to get a job and right. all that right. and so the English department contacted me and I, I was just a I was a receptionist at a law firm at that point and I was saying really or maybe I was I might have no I think I might have been an assistant to the hiring coordinator that's the next step I took I think I was a little bit higher 
but it was a clerical job and, you know, nothing special. And I was saying, me? I mean, I'm, what, why what, would you? What did they want you for? They wanted me to talk to oh, students undecided uh, people who were on the fence about whether they wanted to take English literature as a major. Just to tell them, I'm employed. <laughs> I was like, I said, I got a job. You can too. Well, and they, they said, well, we'd really like you to, because you loved being an English literature major, you know, so we'd love you to be able to share your enthusiasm for it. And so I did. I, I did the, the meeting and, and all the young people were talking about, you know, the, the job. And I just said, you know, the thing that I feel is this is the one time in your life that you're going to get to really experience all the, the options of education that you can. And it True was just... immersion. Yeah, and it was such love. a pleasure to just learn about anything that I wanted. I mean, I mainly majored in psychology and English because I was interested in those topics. And um, did I eventually use the majors? Yeah. You know, I definitely used, uh, in my human resources, I definitely used elements of psychology and English. I could write a correspondence. I could think clearly to explain policy. But was it necessary that I had those? No. <laughs> uh, well, maybe it was. I yeah. don't really know. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah. But my whole point being right. that back then I always thought I am doing this so I can get a job. And in fact, just having a degree is part of the deal. You and, know? and was probably more important in our youth than it than is it today. Is now. Yeah, right. But yes. But it was, it was sort of showing that you had the perseverance and right. you know that you to, could start we could finish what you started yeah kind of thing but i just love that period of my life and i've always uh, pursued my own interests outside of the bounds of work but to be able to do it in this kind of a way and not to even be thinking oh i'm doing this for a job just to say i'm doing this because I'm really interested in this. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating to hear about these historical things. It was also fascinating to watch these researchers who became so, uh, oh, I want to say they were, I, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but it, well, I guess I could use the word obsessed. They were so passionate that they were just driven to the next steps to under, uncover these ideas. Yeah. And they were all trying to prove their own theories at the beginning of the, the documentary. The thing that I found really interesting is that the, the researchers in the 1920s were all trying to prove that somehow their culture was the one that was superior and had uh, been the first to do certain things right. and so they were trying to prove that kind of uh, idea but at the end of the documentary what became apparent to me is that 
humanity has always existed because we cooperated east and west different peoples different tribes they all came up with different things they all shared those things and then uh, progress was made but there were also wars and things like that going on well no i know but but, but, but I mean, do you know what i mean yeah it's, because in in in, in uh, elementary and high school in public school all you, when you're learning about history all you hear, hear, learn about is the wars that's all you that's they teach right. you is about the wars you don't get to know how people lived and what were what you know what daily life was like and you know things like that you don't get to know that kind of stuff until you do your own research well and, and that brings up the other uh the other flight of fan fantasy that i always get to indulge in is um the series i think i may have already mentioned it called tasting history yeah. with max miller it is so fascinating cool. because he's just just he makes a recipe that is from some uh period of history as much as he can uh create it in a fairly similar way mm-hmm. and he tastes what it tastes like and but in the middle of it, he always has this time for history, and he goes off into the history of what was going on around that time, around why they were eating these things, or the caste systems that they were in. What, uh, like I this week, I was watching one that was a series about the Titanic. The Titanic, yeah. And right. the different uh, they he had a series of it. From, he had the he had the menu. From the Titanic. He had the menu from the Titanic, and he had the menu for what the the first class, the second oh, class, yeah. and third class were eating. And then he would tell you about the living conditions and and how, I mean, the, the one that really fascinated me is how much food they brought aboard of the ship and how they stored it. And, oh, man. Yeah. I just find this guy to be fascinating. Yeah, and then I also uh, watched one yesterday that was about chipped beef on toast, oh. or cream chipped beef Chip, on toast, yeah. which was... Commonly known as shit on a shingle. Right. <laughs> exactly. Shit on a shingle. And he was saying, it's actually not bad when you think about it, but he said, you definitely need the toast, <laughs> you know, um, because it's got a weird, chewy... Uh, it's not a good texture, the yeah. chipped beef. It's kind of gelatinous, or yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, he showed the chipped beef, and it was there was a <laughs> tube that it came in, and it was all rolled in these thin slices. You had to unroll it and then separate it out. I mean, it's just like a little tube, oh. like, and I was just like, ew. Oh. Anyway, yeah, that's the way they have it now. Yeah, I remember a couple of Boy Scout campouts where we actually ate. Uh, K rations from you know like yeah. World War Two yeah. uh, vintage K rations and God talk about you know. well and that's the other thing that during the time I mean, for Campbell's history, soup looked like you know, t- be like gourmet pheasant under glass kind of thing I remember these things called Bolton biscuits that were like about the size of a saltine cracker only they were about almost a half an inch thick. And they were just, you know, like dusted, you know, just hard. You break it and it was like you're eating a mouthful of flour, you know. Well, and that's what he was, he was showing how they 
transported the food into the different war zones. And I thought, why have I never thought about this before? Yeah. How do they feed the people that are on the battlefield? battlefield? Yeah. And they showed it in the photos, and I was just amazed. Yeah. I really recommend this this uh, little series. It's just on YouTube, yeah. It's, yeah, it's uh, just Tasting on YouTube. History is called. With Max Miller. Yeah. And the way I got involved in it was <laughs> that, uh, it, 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 you know, algorithms, they pull up mm-hmm. things that you might be interested in, so I don't know how they knew that I would be interested in this. but um, Maybe because you've looked up cooking recipes or something. I don't know. I mean, would everybody get that who's looking at but it had the first one i watched was about figgy pudding um during the uh the yuletide because i said wow figgy pudding i would love to hear about figgy pudding is there is it made out of figs it's uh uh, it's not figs i think it's like more raisins and currants but um but they showed uh, it's just but the the whole history of wh- why it was done the way it was. And yeah. and then there was one about, he also has drinking history. Mm-hmm. And there was one about wassail. Yeah. So that's where I first got hooked. And then I started watching them. I subscribed to the channel and started yeah. watching them um, regularly because uh, there are so, and even ones that I would not think I would be interested in, like this one that was about, uh, the Victoria sandwiches. Oh right. Did we talk about that last week? Cause, I think we might have mentioned it. Yeah. I don't know. And Who cares? Just, Nobody well, remembers. They're yeah. all old like us. <laughs> if we can't but, remember if we talked about it, they probably can't either. You know? Well, Henry is not old. Well, I know. Sorry, yeah, Henry. Sorry, Henry. Neither Maybe is Charlotte. We should Stephen. start calling Henry when we have when we can't remember something that we talked about, and Henry could tell us. He's still got a brain. But I just, I was. I would have thought that would not have that much interesting history behind it, but it actually did. Mm. I have always been fascinated with the history of how people lived. In fact, I have a series of books called, um, what is it called? Over there. Can you see it? I can't. Um, I can't see it. What was it? What life was like? What life was like. It's a time series, uh, time life series. And I, it was the, I, I had only gotten two of these time life series publications where they'd send you a book every month. Yeah. That used to be, I don't know if oh, they yeah. do that anymore. Yeah, I remember that. Um, but I thought, oh, I really want to read that, those. Yeah. And they were fascinating. They've got gorgeous photos and... Um, <sighs> It's just amazing to, like, to read that the reason why they had those very stylized, when you see an Egyptian uh, illustration on the wall, and they have very stylized hair that looks like it's in a triangle and stuff. What they said is those were wigs, that they had such a lice problem in Egypt that they used to have to shave their heads, and then they'd have these wigs that they'd put on top. And I, I was like, wow, I, you know, it, it tells you what being a human being during a period of time would be like. And what always amazed me is that it is 
very different and not different at all. Um, you know, the goals are the same. Right. Uh, you want food in your belly. You want a comfortable place to live. You want to raise your family. What about cars? Do they have two cars in the garage? <laughs> Chicken in every pot. Sorry. But but whatever the accoutrements, the equivalent of that time. Uh, yeah. And the and it also it has always amazed me that most of the things like we we watched and I think we mentioned this series before, which was so truly wonderful. Um, if Walls Could Talk by oh, yeah. Lucy, Worsley. Lucy Worsley, just talking about the origins of all the, the rooms in the house and how they developed over the centuries, and uh, yeah. that was just yeah. an amazing, amazing thing to me. It's cool to learn about how people lived. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know. We always think about it as, oh, so much harder. They must have, you know, like, you know, they're in the, in the... Pardon me, I'm having a drink of coffee. Farming and ranching times of... Oh, the, you, boy. Life must have been... That's good coffee. Horrible, they had to work so hard. I mean, but it was like, you know, it was like a normal day for them. It was probably, they were probably thinking they were living high on the hog. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Well, the thing that I always, that always impressed me about that and watching tasting history uh-huh. uh, is that a lot of the way that we live is first influenced by the upper uh, classes I mean the the people who are wealthy and all of us trying to emulate that wealth in ways that are affordable for us right. and I was thinking that's actually true for us all because we see something and we think oh I can't afford that but I can afford this, yeah. and it kind of emulates that. So it's kind of funny. It is funny, Diane. People are kind of funny. But then the know. other thing that oh, I stumbled upon uh, yesterday. Oh yeah. So <laughs> my how did one, how did you get to that? Well, this is one of my guilty pleasures. Oh. Uh, I mean, I feel a little embarrassed about it, but it Do is you? a guilty pleasure. You feel um, embarrassed about it, maybe? Well, a little. Okay. Um, they have these, this, uh, there are two different places. One's called Ms. Mojo, and I can't remember oh, the other. Oh, those things, yeah. Yeah, they're little synopses or... They always have, like, the ten uh, best musical songs that make you feel good or uh the yeah, 20 are, rom-coms those are, are kind of cheesy know, uh, little videos they're cheesy little videos but the reason why i got involved in them is because it gives you a sampling of things that you might not know about right so you just get these little snippets and from those little snippets i'm able to uh, derive something that uh, is really interesting to me. So I watch it for uh, possible movies that might be interesting and um, and just to see what's what's out there. We so watched Vertigo last night. We watched Vertigo last night. Mm-hmm. That was, man, I did not remember mm-hmm. That movie at all. I thought it was in black and white because I know that when I first saw it, I wasn't watching on black and white TV. You know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Well, that's part of the, the thing is that you'll see something like the, the 10 best Alfred Hitchcock movies or whatever, and, right. you'll, um, and you'll see little snippets and say, oh, man, I really would like to see that. And I, I couldn't believe, I know I've seen Vertigo, but I think it might have been when I was in high school. Yeah. And then I just assumed I knew what it was about, but yeah. I was astonished both by quite frankly it's beauty um because some of the scenes of san francisco in the uh, 1950s yeah. god it was gorgeous yeah. looked like a paradise on earth know. you know and uh but also the plot was incredibly mysterious and and i was thinking man i do not remember this plot at all i'm like watching something i've never seen before yeah. So I was totally absorbed in it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So these are the sorts of things that right. I come across. And um, another reason why I watched Hairspray was because of seeing a little clip on, on one of those Ms. Mojos. And that was actually a, quite a fun little romp of a film, even though it's kind of silly. and But I, I actually really enjoyed it. So, yesterday they had uh, one of the Ms. Mojo things that came up where the top, I think the it was the top 20 Broadway singers. And uh, I knew some of them, and but there, then there was this, this person that I had never heard of before. His name is Christian Borle. And they only showed just a a snip i mean it was so short what they showed uh of this song from and they said it was from something rotten and it was obvious that it was about shakespeare so i stopped at that point in the video and said what is this so i looked it up found the the, the clip that they were showing which was actually a uh, a Broadway at the White House presentation of this song. And I just was like over the moon when I found this clip because, first of all, and I am going to include uh, this in the comments because you've got to see the choreography uh, I saw a different choreography that was fantastic, but then I drilled down farther and found the choreography that they did in the actual show, and it's just phenomenal the way that they do it. And I, it was so creative, so imaginative. I was thinking the set designers on that were uh, quite amazing. But it's this wonderful song from... From and a play called Something Rot. It's a rotten. musical called Something Rotten, a Broadway yeah. musical, yeah. and it was it, it was put out in two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. So probably everybody knows about it, but me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But I, I would I was thinking because we've talked about this before, about our love of of some musicals, um, and I was thinking I love it when there is something that they're uh, a play that they're trying to get through for example uh, Pygmalion by George Bernard Shaw right. and they decide to create a musical out of it 
and that they actually have to write lyrics that will encapsulate a character and I love how clever some of these wordsmiths are. Yeah, the lyrics in this thing are just intensely cool. They're really good. And you say it is. I don't know that if it if it's in yeah. if, if it's in the iambic pentameter. iambic pentameter, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was. Probably probably parts of it are uh, because it's very very you know rhythmic you know and it's anyway. But I just, I hope that everybody else enjoys it as much as we did. It's yeah. just, uh, and the the first one that I watched was a truncated uh, version of the song. And when I listened to the whole song and I thought, oh my gosh, this, uh, the, it was great when it was truncated, but man, the whole, the whole song is really good. Is really good. Yeah. And it made me think of you, Bill, because I was thinking about, being a poet or being any kind of a writer, how much time you have to spend alone in a room and looking for the right word. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so that we're going to play the, the, the song from the Broadway uh, cast recording, and then you'll, you'll include the video with the yeah, choreography. Yeah, just because the choreography really must be enjoyed. Yes. And the, the pure dramatic uh, tendencies of this. And, you know, it made me think of Henry, actually, too, because, yeah. you know, Henry, you were involved in that Beauty and the Beast. Musicals are really a, a fun way for people to experience a play and experience all the joys of going to see a play and to see the, the ways that people can be dramatic in a song is just a treat. My days are so busy, it's making me dizzy. There's so much I gotta do. There's lunches and meetings and poetry readings and endless interviews. Gotta pose for a portrait and how it deplores it and therefore eternity. Then it's off to the inn where my innkeeper friend wants to name a drink after me. Then it's back to my room where I resume my attempt to write a hit. Just me and my beer and the terrible fear that I might be losing it. And it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's really, it's really hard. So very, very hard. I make it look easy, but honey, believe me, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's so incredibly hard. So inconceivably, unbelievably hard. It's hard to be the bard. Honestly, I don't know how I do it. There's only so much of me to go around. I got so many fans with so many demands, I can oh. hardly go take a piss. You can be. be a theater freak or the autograph seeker. They oh. all want a piece of this. Gimme, gimme. It's a cross that I bear. I'm like Jesus, I swear it's oh. a burden, but I suffer through you it. Suffering. It's all part of the game, the trappings of fame. Oh. Somebody's gotta do it. So he does it. And I know, I know, I gotta go and get back to my pen and ink. Oh, don't make me do it, don't make me go through it Can somebody get me a drink? Cause it's hard, it's hard, it's hard It's, hard. it's really, it's really hard. hard It's sexy, but it's hard This bar that I'm raising to be this amazing It's hard, it's hard, it's hard It's, hard. it's so annoyingly hard So unavoidably, unenjoyably hard It's hard to be the bard, baby Ugh. I know writing made me famous, but 
being famous is just so much more fun. You see, what people just don't understand is that writing's demanding, it's mentally challenging, and it's a bore. It's such a chore to sit in a room by yourself. Oh my God, I just hate it. And you're trying to find an opening line or a brilliant idea, and you're pacing the floor and hoping for just a bit of divine intervention. That one little nugget, that one little spark, then Eureka, you find it, you're ready to start. So now you can write, right? Wrong, you're not even close. You remember the damn it, your place gotta be an iambic pentameter. So you write down a word, but it's not the right word. So you try a new word, but you hate the new word. And you need a good word, but you can't find the word. Oh, where is it? What is it? What is it? Where is it? Sir? Hello. You asked for information on what Nicholas Bottom is writing. Our spy is here with the news. Did he see me losing it? He's half blind, sir. Oh, good. Then he only saw half of it. You see what I did? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Wonderful. <laughs> Speak, man, what news? I saw Nick Bottom, I did. He paid a soothsayer to foresee what Shakespeare's greatest play would be. That sneaky little thief. Why doesn't he come up with his own ideas? It's hard. No, it is, isn't it? It's really the worst. It's hard. Makes me wonder why I didn't think of that first. It's hard. Ah, to alleviate the pressure to create. It's hard. Ah, to do something as good as the last thing I did that was already great. So hard that he's stealing from the bar Well, I'll hoist him by his baton All that I need is a clever disguise I'll make him pay for his devious lies Make him do all the tedious stuff The work that's terribly and unbearably hard All right, Nick Bottom I think Shakespeare needs to find out What Shakespeare's next big hit will be Cause it's hard It's hard, it's totally hard It's hard, it's totally hard It's hard, it's totally hard Everyone knows my name, I can't help it, it's still freaking hard.